Father, we thank you again just uh, for being able to come into your presence, uh, just to worship you in so many different ways, Lord. We give our hearts to you, Lord God, and even our concerns, Lord. Uh, but we uh, only want to move according to your will. Uh, God, my prayer is that your hand would be upon every family in this place, whether it's a family of one uh, or a family of, of many. Pray that you would watch over your children and those who are on the fence, Lord God, that you would draw them into your presence today, Lord God, today, Lord. And so we love you, Lord. And may your words grow deep in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew uh, chapter 11 verse 2 says this. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Mark chapter 14 verse 61 says, But he remained silent and made no answer. Again the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ? The son of the blessed. Luke chapter 22 verse 70. So they all said, are you the son of God then? He said to them, you say that I am. And finally, John chapter 6 verse 14 and 15. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and to take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. You see, uh, the questions about who Jesus is that they didn't stop 2,000 years ago. People today are still constructing a Jesus consisting of bits and pieces of the real Jesus along with the bits and pieces of their imaginations. So much confusion in ancient times it makes us wonder how it is even possible for us today uh, to believe that Jesus is our divine God. In fact, listen to what the Quran says. It says, Allah gives you glad tidings of a word from him whose name is the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, illustrious in the world and the hereafter, and one of those brought near unto Allah. He will speak unto mankind in his cradle and in his manhood, and he is of the righteousness, end quote. The Quran begins to say that there is something special about Jesus, but be discerning. Be discerning. It says this, one of those brought near. 
So in other words, the Quran is saying Jesus is like some of those other folks. Yeah, he was born of Mary. Yes, he is the Messiah. Yes, he's going to speak to people from his cradle and into his mail. Oh, all that's true, but it says that he is one of those. Written in 600 or so AD, it speaks a truth about Jesus on the one hand, but it diminishes his personage by including him in a category with those other folks. Uh, but for century after century after century, uh, the church has maintained its biblical stance on the person and work of Jesus Christ, and it has withstood centuries of abuse by those who have another agenda. Those agendas are a mixture of deception and a personal gain they receive by lessening Jesus Christ, all while promoting a lifestyle which calls attention to a positional, material, or political need. So you wonder why some people are confused about who Jesus is. The main reason some are confused about who Jesus is is because of their refusal to accept the historical and biblical account of his personage. For all of us, our very lives depend upon knowing who the real Jesus is and without, his, without that fact uh, that we cannot be saved. Uh, we've been uh, working through a, a series called Clearing the, the Confusion. Today's installment in the series is Clearing the Confusion about Jesus. Let us take a look at four false assumptions about Jesus. And we will counter them with the truth of God's word. So let's clear up the confusion about Jesus. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. And here is the first false belief. And that is Jesus should be honored on par to all other faithful men. That is a false belief. That Jesus should be honored like other faithful men. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up uh, a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. You see, by making Jesus equal to others, it suggests an acceptance of our personal opinions while obscuring our thinking about his godness. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? I'm saying when we put Jesus on the same level of other folks, it says that what you believe is okay, what you think is okay, uh, but then it, it clouds uh, this fact that Jesus is God. Being Jewish, 
Peter, John, and James had already uh, thought highly about Moses and Elijah. They had already placed uh, Moses and Elijah on a pedestal. But yet, uh, one thing that they knew, uh, based on our historical and biblical account in Scripture, uh, that they were imperfect men. You know about Moses who got so mad at the children of Israel that when God instructed him to do one thing, he did another. We remember this. But even we remember about Elijah, how he went and hid when Ahab came and Jezebel wanted to come after him. That he cowered before them. So what you're saying then is that you want to take Jesus and put him on the same level as Moses and Elijah? Well, wait a minute. Uh, Moses and Elijah, they did great things. Jesus did great things. But by uh, putting them in the basket together, it, it clouds the divinity of Jesus Christ. It calls Jesus common when Jesus is not common, it calls him a created thing when, when Jesus is not a created thing. Jesus has eternally, uh, eternally existed. Well, wait a minute. What about at Christmas time? They shall call him Emmanuel. And they gave him the name Jesus as well. Well, Jesus, he did not exist in the flesh up to that point. So what initially seemed to be an innocent and gracious honoring of Jesus by Peter, it was really a very subtle admission that I really don't quite know who Jesus is all the way. It's very subtle. Oh, Jesus, we're going to honor you uh, along with. You see, Jesus, along with anyone or anything else, you end up with no Jesus. We cannot honor Jesus along with ourselves, our spouses, our parents, Mohammed, Yohammed, or anything else in between. But we admit that in our early faith, that most of us, we didn't know all those things about Jesus Christ. Well, we didn't know, we just knew a scant. Uh, when, when I was uh, just a tot of 19 years old, when I came to Jesus Christ, I didn't know all of this theology about Jesus Christ. Are you kidding me? Some adults today, uh, that, uh, they don't know as much about Jesus Christ as they should know. But we knew one thing. That there's something irresistible about the biblical person of Jesus Christ. And there's something irresistible about his message of grace. And about his message of love. His message of hope. There's something that when Jesus says, come to me, all those who are burdened and heavy laden, and I shall give you rest that we come. Yet in the book of Mark here, Mark chapter 9 verse 6, it digs in a little deeper and says this about Peter. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. In other words, uh, they, they saw Jesus and then they saw Moses and they saw Elijah uh, and they're terrified, shaking in his boots. And he says, I, I can't figure out what to say, so uh, how about if I just go ahead and honor all three of y'all together? What do you do when you see uh, two men that you knew had been dead walking around talking with somebody who's alive? 
We can easily excuse uh, the, the thought to say, I saw uh, uh, Auntie so-and-so in that room in that house the last week. So, honey, you just, you just hallucinating. We can excuse that. Uh, but, but we cannot excuse uh, seeing with our eyes uh, the tangible and real Jesus talking to these other folks. We cannot dismiss uh, the live along with the dead. And that should give you hope. Moses and Elijah should give you hope. That if Moses and Elijah are alive today, you know that uh, if you happen to pass away from this earth, that one day, guess what? You will live. That is a point of hope. But this is a place where some people find themselves. Uh, they find themselves that, uh, yeah, I hear about Jesus, but, uh, but he seems so much like everybody else. He seems so much like Gandhi and so much like Buddha and so much like Mohammed. The one of those part is problematic because Jesus is not like one of those. This is another place where the Quran is absolutely, and here's the word you need to know, distorted. Uh, here's another word we can add there, deceptive. On the one hand, it makes very friendly and kind marks about Jesus, but then it relegates Jesus uh, to being just one of those. Again, the problem with that is Jesus is more than just one of those. So by being tolerant of the wrong idea about Jesus and accepting any, any opinion about him diminishes him in the eyes of others. Why? Because we now focus on the things that Jesus is not instead of the things that he is. And then in this passage, Jesus is authenticated by the Father. Jesus is authenticated by the Father. Matthew chapter 17 verse 5. He was still speaking. This is Peter, right? He's still speaking to Jesus. So, uh, he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. The last uh, verse of this section, it says it all. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. When they finished uh, musing about uh, how many tents they were going to make, they lifted up their eyes and saw no one but Jesus only. Uh, when they were shaking in their boots and didn't know what to say, they lifted up their eyes and they saw no one but, come on, Jesus only. In other words, people can say what they want to do, what they want to do about Jesus. Uh, but in other words, at the end of the day, uh, Jesus stands there alone all by his divine and God self. After the smoke has cleared.
after those folks have have finished uh, intellectualizing about the merits or the demerits of a Jesus Christ or the church in this world Jesus he stands alone as one who's complete only one who's able to redeem us from our sins all the conjecture and speculation by those who insist on Jesus, uh, what Jesus is not, will quickly be thrown out the window as they alone will be faced with the prospect that every day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Oh, you think that you're going to stand there with your bad self? When the last time you seen a person stand in an earthquake with their bad self? You see, when you stand before God in his holiness and the thunderings and the lightnings of his voice, you think you bad enough to stand there by your lonesome, say, I'm going to tell Jesus where to go, you think that? Then you try standing in the midst of a hurricane. You try standing in the midst uh, uh, of an earthquake. You try to stand on your own two feet when a tornado comes swirling around in this world and say, I'm going to make my stand. What do you think is going to happen to you? Well, what do you think is going to happen to you when the creator of heavens and earth in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth when he stands there in judgment and he judges you? Do you think he who created the tornado, he who created the hurricane, he who created all the other things that you're going to be able to stand there with your bad self? Huh. I don't want to be anywhere around you. It's very interesting that in our passage, that in the midst of this confusion, uh, in the midst of their conjectures about what to do with Jesus and Moses and Elijah, uh, that Jesus never said, uh, Peter, boy, have you lost your mind? Don't you know who I am? That lack of insistence by Jesus has placed doubt in the mind of many people. They would say that if only Jesus would have just said it plainly, then I would go running to Jesus with open arms. Other folks said, well, only if Jesus would have healed my mother, or only if Jesus would have healed my father and spared their life, then I would have accepted him if he would have brought his miracles. But the problem, you see again, is simply this, that even in the day of Jesus when he was performing the miracles, when he was healing folks, that people were still turning their backs on him. So what makes you think that only if Jesus would come right now and do something that all of a sudden you're going to be that much better? You see, what we believe in Jesus, we take it all by faith. But yet we have the inerrant, infallible word of God which tells us that it is so. It is so. Well, several times Jesus, however, he did mention that he was the Christ when he asked the question, specifically in John chapter 18, verse 33. But after explaining he was the king and for that purpose he came into this world, it still did not change the momentum of what they wanted to do with him and that was to crucify him. They still crucified Jesus because they did not accept that fact. They didn't accept his word, you see. When the mind is already made up about something, no amount of proof or nothing you can tell them will change their mind. Like my mother used to tell me sometimes, she says, boy, you don't believe that fat meat is greasy, do you? Why would the mother tell her precious, uh, innocent son uh, such harsh words as that? Boy, you don't believe nothing I say, do you? I say right and you say left. 
I know my wife is probably saying, he still do the same thing right now. Oh, it's not me. Yeah, uh, after almost 30 years of marriage, she finally get it. That is not her. It was my mother's fault. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, here with uh, Peter, James, and John, a sign came from heaven which authenticated who Jesus was. It's important to note that it was not something that occurred while only one person was present, but there were several people there. It wasn't like someone who received a revelation from God, then all of a sudden they come up with a brand new religion. Scripture tells us when we get confused and can't figure out our heads from the tails that we must listen to Jesus. Remember what that voice says here in verse, uh, verse 5. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. It says what? Listen to him. Do you know what Jesus has got to say? Do you know what he's trying to say to you today? Disciples who witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus that they cowered in fear once they heard the voice of God, which also is the voice of judgment one day. It is erroneous to believe Jesus should be honored alongside of other faithful people. Jesus is perfect and far exceeds the imperfection of anyone that we know or knew. So let us look at a second false belief. Here's a second false belief. That Jesus was only an angel. Second false belief. This is wrong, wrong, wrong. And that is that Jesus was just an angel. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5. Get a chance to read a full context when you have a chance. Do that. But I'm going to skip around here. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5. Scripture says, For which of the angels did God ever say? You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Verse 6, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angel worship him. Verse 8, but of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Verse 10. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. And then verse 13. And to which of the angel has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So some have uh, falsely equated Jesus with an angel. And if you don't know which angel that is, here it is. Michael, the archangel. Uh, you may not know this about the JWs. But the JWs say that Jesus was an angel. Again, this is not true because of something that has happened in the past, but true today. So this is their thought, right? Their thought was simply this. So Jesus was like an angel floating around doing angel stuff. And then one day God calls uh, Jesus who's the angel doing angel stuff, calls him to earth. And he calls him to earth. And then that passage where, where he is baptized and at that baptism, this angel now becomes Christ, the Messiah. But you see, there's problems with that. 
Uh, think about the word of God. Number one, you know that the word of God uh, says that no angels receive worship. Because last time I checked, uh, the last angel that was looking for worship, that he is now on his way to the lake of fire. Last time I checked. So, why would Jesus the angel be any different? Now, uh, for that matter, uh, when God, who created the heavens and the earth, when he created all things, he created all things according to its kind. Amen? Come on, say amen. I'm going somewhere with this. So when God created a tree, it was a tree. When God created cats, they were cats, right? When God created cows, they were cows. When, when God created uh, a man, it was a man. Uh, mankind or womankind, you can wish and you can go to a doctor to have them cut and paste all you want to all day long. But at the end of the day, you still are who God has created you to be. Uh, when you're doing all, doing all that cutting and pasting, you ain't doing nothing but walking around with a permanent Halloween outfit on. <laughs> But you still are who you are at its core. So you think about our society now. You, you, you know where I am. Uh, think about our society. Think about how they're thinking. Innately, they are who, we, who they are. Yeah, we continue to respect people and love people, but that does not change who they are at their core. So God has created all things with uniqueness, which remains the same even if Someone calls them by a different name or redefines them with new words. Amen? Uh, my, my family will tell you. You know, I, I call uh, someone, I can't tell you who it is because you'll start asking around, right? I, I call some people in my family, I may call them Binky. I, I may call someone in my family, I may call them Binky Ball Meats, right? When they were little. I may call someone tech nurse in my family, or Tershies in my family, but at, or, or, or Puffy in my, uh, in, in, in my family, or Hot Iron Harriet's uh, in my family, but at the end of the day, even though I have couched and given them different names, they still are the core person that God has created them to be. Hmm. So this one religious system who teaches that Jesus... Uh, before his incarnation, that he uh, was only the uh, archangel uh, angel, uh, Michael, uh, that it is deceptive. Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Read this, please. Revelation 19, verse 10. This is uh, the apostle John when confronted with an angel. Revelation 19, 10. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What does that verse, what does it say there? You what? Must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you. This is an angel talking to an apostle. He says, I am a fellow, I am a fellow servant with you. And your brothers who hold to the test, listen what the angel says. Listen what the angel says. The angel says, I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. 
So in other words, what's, what's implied there, that even the angels are testifying of the person of Jesus Christ. And then he says, worship God. So God will always be God and angels will always be angels. In other words, if you're an angel today who is prohibited from receiving worship, then you are not going to be God tomorrow. An angel will always be a created thing who never surpasses uh, the status of a creation and should never be worshipped. In John chapter 9 verse 37, Jesus says to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Verse 38, he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Here's an example of someone worshiping Jesus, and Jesus never responded to them. Get up, boy, I'm just an angel, just like I'm a servant, just like you are. No, it never says that. Jesus received the worship, and he did not reject it. See, Jesus is far superior uh, to the angels. So, uh, we have seen that it is a false belief to place Jesus on par, or on the same level with other people. And number two, that it is a false belief to say that he was just an angel. Look at the third false belief. That false belief is this, that the disciples never believed Jesus was God. That the disciples never believed that Jesus, that is erroneous, it's false, it's a lie. John chapter 20 verse 26. John 20 verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with him. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Verse 28. Thomas answered him and with concert here in the sanctuary, I want us to say together, my Lord and my God. So Thomas was brought to a place of full belief in Jesus based on what he saw and what he touched. Some folks will only believe only if they can see it for themselves. Uh, but we only have this lifetime to believe. So if you never have a chance to believe, then you are stuck uh, between hell and a fire. Problem with this is that it is not necessary for us to experience everything to believe it is true. You don't have to experience uh, a, a heroin, a heroin a, a addiction in order to know that it can kill you. You don't have to experience the fact that when all your teachers tell you that you need to get your work done else, you're not going to graduate and you're, if you don't pass all the tests and get all your work done. You don't, have to, uh, you don't have to believe that. Just know that it's going to happen one day. We don't have to believe uh, the president was, was not in town just because we didn't see it for ourselves. At one point, we begin to believe the testimony of another. The abundant testimony of others should serve as a sufficient witness to the truth. Thomas, on the other hand, he had a problem, a major problem with doubt. In John eleven sixteen, 16, he had stood up at that time and he said that, you know, Jesus, I'm going to die for you. And then everybody started to say, Jesus is here. We saw Jesus. And I ain't believe none of that stuff. You see, when we are not in prayer, when we don't remain in his word or in fellowship with the saints, our old way of thinking begins to quickly cloud out uh, our, our mindset and, and of our belief. 
At this point, Thomas was not walking in faith because Thomas was walking what? By, come on, sight. Thomas was not walking by faith. He was walking by sight. Scripture tells us that we are not to walk by sight, but we are to walk by faith. Eventually, all the disciples would place their lives on the line because of Jesus and the reality of him and his ministry and who he is. And then finally, last false belief, that Jesus never believed he was God. It's a false belief. John chapter 10, verse 30. <clears throat> John 10, verse 30. Jesus says here, I and the Father are one. Verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works for my Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? For which of these works are you going to kill me for? I've done a lot of good things in this world. Why are you going to kill me now? Verse 33, the Jews answered him, oh, it ain't for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy. What is that blasphemy? Then they explain it. Because you, being a man, come on, what does it say? Make yourself God. Uh, some uh, of some religious systems, they will try, I want you to listen to this very carefully. This is one of their deceptive practices. They will have you to read a verse, and you read verse 30 to them, and they don't want you to read anything else. They say, oh no, don't read anything. Don't go nowhere. I say, wait a minute, we have to read everything in context. Well, even this right here, what I, what I pulled out has a, a larger context for which we must understand, but I don't have time to exegete that entire passage. Uh, but, but know that we have to read a larger context to understand. And it's very clear according to our context, even what, what comes after us, the fact remains that the Jews understood clearly what Jesus was saying about himself and what Jesus was saying about himself when he said that the Father and I are one, what he was saying that I am God. Everybody understood what Jesus is talking about except for all those folks who are trying to redefine Jesus. Jesus said he is God. There are those who will even, they will deny every single aspect of this message because they operate with an agenda which does not come from above but from below. You understand that this will happen and it's going to happen. Our goal is to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Jesus Christ is the God whom we worship without which there is absolutely no hope for us and no hope for mankind. So the best way to combat any false claim about Jesus Christ is to know what the word of God says about our Lord. Don't believe the hype. Believe the word.